You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. There's a ton of energy from new guys and uh, coaches and players alike. Uh, there's a lot of guys learning, um, a lot of exciting things to see out there. I've loved the energy and the attitude uh, and the leadership, and I think I've mentioned that before. We've got a good team that wants to be good, and that's the first step in being good, and they're working hard to get there. There's still a lot we need to clean up and figure out, but uh, it's been a good first four days. No, I mean, you can just tell his experience. He's been he's been well coached. Those guys that he had at Texas did a good job with him. You know, he's inquisitive, you know, which is nice. And, and uh, you know, they may have done it a certain way before that he may fall back into. But, you know, I'm, I'm fairly open, you know, but uh, uh, he's going through his progressions. He likes it. He, you know, I like what I see, everything else, and taking a lot of leadership. And uh, a nice job today in the two minutes. All the two minutes, he's done a good job. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, uh, we've re- reached the first mile marker of spring practice as six practices in the books here for Nebraska after Friday, and they will take a week off and come back for seven, uh, eight more practices, and then the red-white spring game would be number 15. So um, two weeks in, Robin, big scrimmage Friday, um, kind of status quo. I mean, I, I think not a lot of surprises in that sense that the new coaches have, have been impactful early on. Casey Thompson has a lock or what appears to be a pretty good lock on the number one job. And I said this, I mean, to me, it'd be more of a surprise if he didn't right now. And it would yeah. be a concern. Um, so everything, you know, the first two weeks have kind of been about what you would expect and, and where you'd want things to be. Yeah. And again, it's spring practice so everything's great um you know no one's going to come out and uh, voice concerns and the fact that uh all the access that you know the media gets is uh you know, post-practice interviews and uh, with a couple of selected coaches and players so it's 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 a limited um look into how the spring is going but by all accounts based off everything that we know um it's going as well as you would expect um you know the qualifiers there's still a lot of work that needs to be done um there's a lot of learning that needs to be done you know casey thompson's emerged as the guy but you know he's still learning a brand new offense and so there's going he's working with brand new receivers and a new offensive line and so there's a lot of acclimation uh that still needs to occur not only through spring but through the summer and certainly on through fall camp so they're off to a good start but um like i said the work has just begun you're listening to the husker online show as we talk spring practice uh, for Nebraska and you know Logan Smothers came out and said that he never even considered leaving Nebraska I thought that was interesting um, but I want to get back to Mark Whipple and just what with him in general just being around him it's just really obvious to me that he's running the show on offense and and, and that's my other kind of big takeaway uh, from these first two weeks seeing his presence and kind of what he's brought um, you know I, I don't know if Scott Frost other than probably when he worked for Chip Kelly, has had a guy like that next to him um, that knows more than him as a coach in terms of that role, and and can he can step away and, and let this guy um, manage and run things and, and and do other things that a head coach does. But it's got to be a different spot for Frost because he's been a head coach now for six years, and he's always run the team and the offense. And right now, Mark Whipple's doing that for him. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you know Mark Whipple has already become the more interesting uh, interview when it comes to learning about the offense. For one, because he's uh, doesn't care; he'll just tell you stuff like 
oh yeah, Casey Thompson's number one guy, you know, like, why is that a secret? Whereas Frost was trying to be coy with it like he usually does. So, you know, that in itself just shows that he's very comfortable in his own skin. He's not worried about, um, you know, the an aura of secrecy and all that. And um, he's definitely got, as, as Scott Frost put, a command presence about him to where he's a guy that has been around the block and, uh, you know, a couple times already and worked with some of the biggest names in football at all levels. Uh, and that experience gives him a confidence about what he's doing and what he needs to do to maximize the the personnel around him. And I think just having kind of that, that stability and that experience is a huge boost for Scott Frost, not only just running the offense, but allowing Scott to kind of just take a step back. And, you know, we, we talked about the whole CEO, um, you know, managerial role that he wants to have. I think he's finally it's in easier a position. said than done. Yeah. I mean, he's finally in a situation where he feels comfortable doing that. But I, because I think he has full trust in Mark Whipple to run the show when he's not around. As we continue storylines here, uh, I think something else that's kind of just cleared the path for Casey Thompson is Chubba Purdy. Um, he's got an injury um, on his foot that's limited him these first two weeks. Um, so it's not like there's really been a strong push uh, from Chubba Purdy. Logan Smothers, you know, I, I think is still not at the same level uh, when you compare him to Casey Thompson and, and Heinrich Harburg, you know, in that same boat. He's a talented guy, but just not at that snub. But I, I think that that injury to, to Purdy, you know, if there was ever any scenario where it wasn't going to be Casey Thompson, it was going to be probably Chubba Purdy and – the fact that he hasn't really been able to make much of a push, I just think has cleared the path even that much more for Casey Thompson here in the first few weeks of spring. And it's a foot injury, right? You're right. And, and he's a guy that can run. I mean, Casey Tom, or Chubba Purdy is a runner, a big physical guy. The collarbone is what he hurt in 2020. That has not been a problem since then. I know some people ask him how his collarbones has been. He goes, it wasn't a problem last year. It's not a problem right now. It's a, it's a foot injury that's evidently slowing him down. And it sounds like he will – He's expected to be back after spring break, right? At least in some capacity. That's the plan. But at that point, <clears throat> we'll see. I mean, I'm, but yeah, they've got a long break. I mean, they don't come back until almost 10, 12 days from now. Uh, you know, the, you know they, they have a whole whole week off, nine days. Then they don't come back till the following Tuesday um, after this long extended spring break. So uh, we'll see what they want to do with him. But to me, I don't know if there's any sense in, in – overdoing it if, if if he's not 100%. And I'm curious, too, uh, what a lot of guys do over spring break. You know, I mean, a lot of times there's trips and all that. South stuff. Padre Island. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is going to go on, just considering the uh, state of the program right now where everybody is trying to learn as much as, as possible, as quickly as possible, that if you just completely check out for three, four, five days, you're going to set yourself back. And there's a lot of position battles going on for some wide-open competitions that – probably wouldn't be the smartest decisions for some dudes to completely uh, step away from football and, and not stay on track with their development. Did you go on a spring break trip? I did. I didn't do any like the, the South thing. Padre. Like I went to like, we went to Chicago and did like St. Patrick's day out in Chicago, which was sweet. Um, and then, you know, just some back when you were young and didn't have any stuff. money, Colorado, though. we would go to Colorado drive Dri drivable ones going to Chicago when you're like 21 though, like, yeah, sticker sticker shock on <laughs> yeah. like a beer's like eight bucks. Yeah, there there was a lot of a uh, a pre gaming. Let's put it that way, just to to maximize our our funds. Went to Vegas my last year of college and paid for my whole trip myself. Um, you know, not my dad was like, if you're gonna go, you're you're doing that on your own, and mm -hmm. went to Vegas on a trip, but never did the South Padre or the big ski trip or anything like that. But yeah, I, I do think guys, I think Florida is a pretty popular spot 
mm-hmm. where a lot of guys go now. Yeah. Panama City or South Padre Island was big. Miami. So we'll see how this team comes back. And what they'll do is um, they'll practice on Tuesday, the week after the spring break. But on Monday, they kind of have a uh, Zach Duvall day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, make sure you uh, stay on track day. So we'll see uh, just kind of where guys are at um, coming off of that. Nebraska held another big recruiting event as well. Uh, no commits, but it was their third um, on-campus recruiting event they've held you know, since the start of the, the end of January, since January 22nd. So they, they're well ahead of where they had been, and they should be. I mean, COVID last year didn't allow visitors to come to campus till June. Um, and now that it's back open again, Nebraska's had three events since January 22nd, and they've got a third of their class completed already. I think they'll be well over half their class, um, you know, going into May and, and be in a pretty good spot because they're only going to take about 15. So um, plenty of recruiting. Uh, Brian Munson and Mike Mattia have done a great job uh, keeping up to date on that. But when we come back, we're going to continue our spring football discussion. We're going to talk offensive storylines and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Nebraska is probably hands down one of the best programs in the country for uh, NIL and just name, image, and likeness opportunities. The support and the fan base here, I would say, it's, um, it's it just no, there's nothing that really compares to this. Um, I, I'm kind of even surprised and a little bit blown away about how much um, how much football is, you know, a big deal around here. Um, but it's been great and it's been fun. I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm having to like tone down a little bit of you know some of the opportunities just so I can focus on ball. And right now, you know, the team and spring ball is my focus and. There'll be plenty of opportunities to do, you know, social media posts or do some appearances. Um, but, yeah, it's been great so far. I would say that the opportunities um, are just tremendous here at Nebraska. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking some more offensive storylines out of spring practice here uh, two weeks in. And it was interesting, Robin, to hear Casey Thompson talk about NIL. Um, I know, at least on our website, we've had some critics on the board. You know, is Nebraska really one of the top places in the program in the country and I've tried to share what I can um, and know and even then still was met with pushback but you heard Casey Thompson say in so many ways you know where Nebraska's at with NIL and you know you hear guys like Blake Lawrence saying that as well Uh, Nebraska's doing a great job with NIL and it's just the beginning Um, and you know we'll see where it goes with the transfer portal here in the spring because they they definitely you know need to get guys and you can't use NIL um technically in the, in the process but you know I think guys need to be made aware of what guys at your program do are getting in NIL and that could be a factor um, then once they sign they can start entering those NIL agreements at your school but uh, what did you think of Casey Thompson's comments on NIL in Nebraska yeah I mean the, what really made it stand out is that this is a kid that just came from Texas and you want to look at a peer institution as far as prioritizing football and football being a major cash cow uh I, I thought that was pretty impressive uh the fact that you know he basically said that he was getting opportunities they never would have gotten at texas and you know a lot of that just has to do with the celebrity status of nebraska athletes and especially nebraska football players and when you're the projected starting quarterback for the university of nebraska you're going to get a lot of opportunities and i guess it was also good to hear that you know he's um 
prioritizing his time and not going full, uh, you know, headfirst into uh, all of these uh, NLI, NIL deals that uh, are apparently being presented to him. And he, he is keeping his mind uh, on track with football as much as possible. But, um, you know, I think that that kind of just reaffirms that while it may not be publicized to the extent as some other schools or hyped up on social media um, as some other programs, Nebraska is very much uh, doing its part to stay um, you know, at the top of the game in, in the NIL race. Yeah, and they got out in front of it pretty early um, as far as some of the things they've done, and it has made an impact. I mean, uh, in, I think what's different about Nebraska from what I hear from other places is it, – it, it's spread out pretty well on the roster. It's not just a few players. Um, you know, you, you get almost every scholarship guy and even some walk-on guys are getting opportunities here. And, you know, at, at other places, it might only be a few players. And I, I think that's the difference of the model that's been created at Nebraska is a lot of guys are benefiting off it. Um, you know, and benefiting off it, who knows what that means. It could mean a 1,000. It could mean two, three, four, five thousand. 5,000. We're not talking every guy is getting, like, six-figure six figure money. There might be a few down the road that earn that at, at Nebraska. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of things that get thrown out about NIL that may not necessarily be true. Um, you know, and, and, and that really muddies the waters, what people think you should be doing at your school. Right, and again, I think a lot of – that comes from some programs being a lot more aggressive with how they try to push their efforts with NIL to where, you know, maybe there's a bit of an illusion of what other schools are doing and what Nebraska is, um, you know, supposedly not doing. So again, I think that this just kind of gives you a little tangible evidence that, um, you know, while there, there has been a narrative that Nebraska is kind of getting left in the dust, uh, Casey Thompson says otherwise. And if anybody's going to know where Nebraska stands, it's probably a guy like him. Yeah. And I'd say that narrative has only been created by a few, people that maybe didn't want Coach Frost to come back. And yeah. I, I think the NIL and, and some of the things in the, in the booster relations within the program are, are played a factor in him returning to Nebraska. I mean, I, I think Trev probably felt things out at one point when things weren't going well and all of the money and support remained behind him. And mm -hmm. that's a key thing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that they uh, are, are clearly – doing what is necessary to to keep up with the Joneses and and again I think that what what really makes a difference here is that it isn't just you know we're, we're doing this deal for this one guy it's it's across the board to where you can pitch um, even not pitch it but you know they can be presented in, in some way even in your walk-on recruiting that you know if you can take some scholarship and go here or you can walk on here and you know there will be opportunities that previous walk-ons got that you potentially could get as well other things uh, offensively to hit on, um, you know, things that we keep hearing, just Donovan Riola, his style as a coach, what he's brought to the table. Um, I think that's going to continue to be a story, um, what they're doing here in spring ball, just the style and aggressive nature they're playing with. What you make of Scott's comments about uh, just getting off the ball the way they have in the spring? Like he said that they've already been significantly better, and that was an area he's been extremely disappointed with since he's been here. I think it was a philosophical disagreement between him and Greg Austin. He had one way he wanted things done. Greg did it his way, and that was kind of a head-butting deal. And it finally came to a halt this offseason. Um, but I think you can make a case that at the end of 2020, it was close to probably coming to a, a halt at that point. And mm -hmm. it, it went one more year. Um, but Frost and Austin, their, their styles just, I felt like were on different pages. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a pretty uh, 
clear message he was sending about uh, you know just not liking at all what the offensive line had been doing for the, in the previous four years and just how much better it's already looked through a few spring practices. That um, didn't leave much to the imagination about what Scott was trying to get across there. So, you know, we'll see um, how much, you know, our untrained eyes can, can pick up on that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, listening to, to those comments by Scott and, you know, just the, some of the other players, especially some of the defensive players, um, it sounds like the offensive line is taking a much more physical approach and it's being noticed already. And look, it, preseason-wise, Robin, it's going to be one of the lowest-ranked lines in the in the conference when they do those, like, power rankings by unit. Yeah. the line. I mean, in, as it should, I mean, you, based on what they did a year ago. So you can't really, like, act like on paper – in the preseason, it's going to be ranked very high. Cause, no. So that that's where a guy like Raiola has got to prove his worth. And by the way, his nephew, Dylan Raiola, will be coming for the spring game, Brian Munson reported this week on Husker Online. So uh, 2024 quarterback um, that has Georgia and Texas and Alabama offers will be here uh, to visit Nebraska for a third time since June. It's all coming together. And then finally, I want to hit on Mickey Joseph, Robin, and you know, kind of what he's brought to the table uh, obviously, you knew what you were getting with this guy, his background at LSU, uh, but he's been impactful. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I think when you look at these first two weeks, big picture takes up the offense. Mickey Joseph has made a difference. I think he was as important of a domino, you know, when this whole process where, uh, you know, Frost got the, this this fifth year uh, and, you know, had to make these changes – him going down and getting a guy like Mickey Joseph with that type of resume and that credibility, both as a coach and as a recruiter, I think kind of opened some eyes a little bit. And maybe, you know, the the, the Brian Applewhites and, and all that sort of stuff kind of looked at Nebraska differently where a guy like that was willing to take a chance on a Nebraska team that going into the offseason, you know, there were a lot of questions about just the, the long-term future uh, with Scott Frost. And so I think that his presence did a lot for Nebraska in the recruiting front. And obviously you're seeing it with the, the work that um, he's apparently doing with the receivers. But I think just in kind of reshaping the narrative of Frost's ability to change the direction of the program, I think it went a long way getting Mickey Joseph to sign on, um, you know, to, to get that thing really kickstarted. All right, let's talk defensive storylines here in spring camp. Next, you're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, moving through that first week was teaching the new guys the system, getting a big chunk of install in. I know there's a big chunk. We threw it at them pretty heavy. For some of the guys, it's no big deal. It's old hat. But for a lot of these new guys, they're swimming a little bit in that thing. So we want to get everything in, and then we'll dial it back and and, uh, detail everything. Guys have been coming with lunch pail every day, ready to work. Not anybody complaining about getting the extra work in. Everybody is really just forming and grasping it. Even though we have a lot of new guys, everybody's coming together really great. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa. This segment of the show brought to you by the 2022 Air Lingus College Football Classic that will take place in Dublin, Ireland at Aviva Stadium. Uh, tickets available for the game. You can buy single game tickets. Uh, still opportunities to buy packages as well at Huskers, the number two Ireland. That's Huskers2Ireland.com. And uh, Robert and I continue to talk about our trip, get things figured out, what we're going to be doing, where we're staying. Um, I know our Channel 7 guys are getting lined up as well with us down there. So uh, still time. If you want to go to Ireland, take this once-in-a-lifetime trip, 
Um, they just lifted a lot of the travel and COVID restrictions as well. You no longer, Robin, need a proof of vaccination to enter the country or anywhere in Dublin uh, or in the country of Ireland. You no longer need a COVID test to get in or get out of the country. So uh, things have loosened up quite a bit from when I, when I went out there in December. Yeah, and good news. Um, you know, and I, like, we'll see kind of what's just domestic travel coming up here. I think that the mask deal is going through April, and then they're going to reevaluate it for the planes. That. Yeah, so uh, you know, by by August, it could be uh, you know smooth sailing. We'll see. You might be able to have a few cocktails on the plane and not have to worry about it. I don't know if there's any might about that. Might <laughs> will. All right. Well, let's talk defensive storylines, Robin, uh, for Nebraska here in spring practice um you heard shenander uh but the last guy we just heard from after shenander was marquise buford and they they brought him out in front of the the media this week and he was intriguing i mean we've we've heard a lot from a lot of guys on defense um he can play corner but he's going to be he's working safety right now he's going to be a factor marquise buford Absolutely. I mean, the amount of praise he got uh, from pretty pretty much everyone that that spoke during that media session, you would have thought that uh, I think you said it's like we were interviewing Deion Sanders there for a little bit. So uh, clearly this is a young guy that has made quite the impression. And we heard his name a lot last year, too. He got on the field a little bit as a true freshman. And so um, this is not new. Uh, The um, praise that he's been garnering and the the attention that he's been gaining with um, his play on the field and then his uh, intelligence off the field. Uh, Travis Fisher called him the smartest uh, defensive back or at least young defensive back he's ever coached. So uh, I think that kind of says a lot about where he is in terms of um, not just playing the position, but mastering the position. And, um, you know, he's talked a lot about just his study habits, the way that he's constantly trying to learn the defense. And what he really likes about safety is you're kind of the quarterback back there and you have to know what everybody else is doing up front. So his knowledge, not just of the defensive backfield and playing in the secondary has grown, but he knows what everybody else is doing and what's happening on every single play uh, across all 11 on defense. I just feel like that secondary, though, in general, is so wide open. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Quentin Newsom, I feel like, is a starter. He started last year. Um, but even like Miles Farmer, I mean, you would think he's close to a sure thing, but he's not, I don't think right now. I, I think it's still very wide open back there. Yeah, I mean, especially when you add in Buford, uh, Buford here. Uh, we heard a lot about uh, Singleton, too. Deshaun Singleton. Yeah, and so, I mean, they've got guys that uh, were brought here to compete for starting jobs from day one. Uh, you have inherited players that uh you know this is their time um you know if they don't do it now will it ever happen you know Noel Gates certainly falls into that mold so uh the pressure is on him so they got a lot of players that uh you know you could make a strong case for potentially pushing for those starting jobs and um I think that is going to be one of the more intriguing position battles over the course of the entire offseason because I imagine those competitions are going to go well into fall camp before they actually settle on a, a starting depth chart. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we talk defensive storylines for Nebraska. Um, you know, some of the other position groups, particularly inside linebacker and even on the defensive line, and it's, it's so hard right now, Robin, to get a clear picture uh, without Garrett Snodgrass going through spring ball, without Luke Reimer, and then on the defensive line, no Casey Rogers. I mean, those are three starting level guys that will play a lot of snaps next year. Um, so to me, the spring for that front seven is who else can emerge and be Big Ten ready? And that's what they've got to do. They're, they're going to have to go to the portal. There's no doubt. They need to add at least two more players on the defensive front seven for the portal. Um, but who else on the current group that hasn't been on the field 
can emerge. And I'd throw a Blaze Gunnerson in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd throw, um, you know, there, there's a number of guys you, you could put in in that group. Yeah, I mean, Nash Hutmacher's names got thrown out a lot. So, um, you know, there's there's plenty of guys that seem capable of stepping up and providing some, some real uh, solid depth in that defensive front seven, but we just haven't seen it yet. And I don't know when we are going to actually see it. I guess the good news is, um, what was it, Wednesday was their first day in full pads. And so Friday uh, is going to be their first to-the-ground tackling session. So that's going to go a long way in answering some of those questions about where guys are because – you know, kind of like with offensive line, in my opinion, the only way you can really gauge the trenches is with real football and tackling and hitting. So uh, they're finally starting to do that, and I think this is going to be where uh, the window opens for those guys to really make a jump one way or the other uh, in, in terms of where they stand on that, that depth chart. And who do they have that can get to the quarterback? I mean, I think Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson have to be those guys. But I'm excited else? about Caleb Tanner. Like I don't look at Ty Robinson or Casey Rogers necessarily as pass rushers. I mean, they're going to be taking on two people, and when you're going two on one, a lot of times it's hard to be a big pass rusher the way those guys get utilized. And you wonder too, like I mean, in, unless one of those guys emerges as like a true, uh, you know, bona fide edge rusher. How creative does Eric Shenander get with his blitzes this year? Um, you know, obviously they've they got to find a way to replace JoJo, and he was one of their best pass rushers. So does Chris Kolarovic factor in there as maybe – Yeah, what's uh, his role? Yeah, what's his role, and, and can he be a player? He's, clearly, he's got the athleticism. They praised him as one of the best athletes of the team last winter. So can he put it together to take over that type of role? And so, you know, I think that pass rush is probably – and like I said, unless one of those Nelson, Tanner guys emerges as a, as a true star – it's going to be a collective effort, and they're going to need a lot of different guys with a variety of blitzes. And I guess the good news is Eric Chenander has shown that he's got a pretty nice uh, repertoire of um, different blitzes that can throw people off and, and still get to the quarterback in, in non-conventional ways. I'm kind of in the camp on replacing JoJo. There is no replacing for JoJo. No, no, no. I think it's a committee approach. Yeah, no question. And it will all depend on what the offense is doing, too. Against heavier set teams, maybe a Kalarovic type plays more of that role against more spread teams, maybe the Isaac Gifford and, and James Well, like Wright. Northwestern, week zero. You know what? You kind of know what they already do on offense. Are you going to really play with Kalarovic in space? If you do, you got to expect some Wes Welker type of <laughs> slot receiver at Northwestern to yep. be lined up on him the entire game. Yep, some lunch pail guy is going to go off. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's a real thing, and I guess that was one of the, the deals that Eric Chenander said that um, you know, they, they've liked what they've seen from Kalarovic in that role so far, but now they want to see how he handles himself in coverage, um, you know, especially in, in man-to-man. I think they've been doing a lot of zone, but now they've kind of incorporated more uh, of the man coverage stuff, and we'll see. We'll see how far behind or far ahead he is in that regard because that's probably going to go as long as anything as, as, as to how many reps he actually sees this season. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Abby Barmore. We'll take your questions in the mailbag, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, Sean, we only get so many live to the ground days, so we're going to use one on Friday. Should have plenty of time to heal up if we get nicked up a little bit. As a head coach, the first thing you want to see is, is effort and improvement, and you want everybody to walk off the field healthy. That, you know, we got certain guys that 
you probably don't need to see hit much and, and some other guys that we really need to test them and see uh, how they're going to be when it's live. Uh, we're going to structure that however we need to to get the right reps out of the right guys and, and looking forward to seeing the competition. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, bringing in now Abby Barmore as it's time for the mailbag. Uh, we'll take your questions this week uh, from the Red Sea Scrolls chat. The best questions of the week in in the uh, mailbag segment here. Abby, what do you have to start us out with? What's your take on why they moved Chris Kalarvik to nickel? I think he wanted to do it. I, I, I think, number one, if you go back and listen to what he said on JoJo Doman's show here on the Husker Online channel back in uh, November, he talked to JoJo about moving to that position back then. So I think in his mind, it's what he's wanted to do. Um, I, I think he feels like it's going to be hard for him to get on the field with Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich. Um, but, you know, I, I, I look at it from the other end, Robin, where he could be number one right now if he was available this spring at the inside backer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of in retrospect. you know, you got to wonder just what the opportunity missed there was just given – uh, the lack of depth or established depth they have. But again, I think this is something that long term he thought was going to give him a better opportunity because you go back to last year, he hardly even played and laid down games. the stretch, I mean, like, especially like single digit snaps in games. And so um, maybe he saw this as a an opportunity to have a greater role on the defense and uh, maybe utilize his athleticism a little more than it was being uh, used at inside backer. And you know, maybe he's just built more to be a perimeter guy than he is uh, an inside linebacker in the Big Ten. So maybe I'm sure there were plenty of factors involved in this, but you know, of course, you know, he makes that move, and and suddenly uh, the <laughs> the the reps are plentiful at inside linebacker. What do you see as the biggest changes Scott Frost has made since hiring the new staff and laying laying out his plan to Trev Alberts? I, I think the biggest thing is he's he's taking a step back and he's running the program more. Instead of just running the offense and the program, and I think having Mark Whipple, everything that they wanted to get out of this Whipple hire, at least early on, I think it's exactly um, how they wanted it to go. Yeah, I I agree. So I mean, again, it's still so early; it's hard to know uh, where this thing will go. But as far as from point one to point now, uh, it's gone about as well as you possibly could ask for. Robin, what are your thoughts on Bryce Trey or? Derek coming back next season. Uh, Bryce is like 99.999% gone. Um, <laughs> the only way he comes back is if he goes through the draft process and NBA teams are like, yeah, buddy, you're not getting drafted. So, Which is not happening. That's not happening. He's still projected as a borderline you know, first rounder. And honestly, I think that once he starts meeting one-on-one with teams and goes through individual workouts and those small group workouts that they do during the pre-draft prospect process, uh, he's going to vault up the draft board, especially he, if he gets a combine invite. Um, he's just got the, the the character and personality that teams are going to love. And then, you know, I think that when you put him in more of the NBA-style game, um, you're going to see him flourish just like Delano Bannon did. Um, and then with Trey, uh, I'd put it at unlikely. There's still a chance. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. But with Derek, I think that is, I'd, I'd say, likely at this point. Um, you know, I think that he's got more of an incentive to come back than the other guys. And of all the potential, uh, you know, leaning guys, I'd put him as the most likely to come back. All right. What do you have next? Do you think the outside linebackers or defensive line will suffer due to the shared coach between their rooms? Um, I, I don't look at it like that. I mean, I think Mike Dawson's really coaching four players on the field. Um, I, I I think there's a, a thought, Oh, he's coaching five, but Really not. I mean, I think the way Nebraska uses that outside linebacker, 
it's really a defensive end. And mm-hmm. you, you heard him say they, they need Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers to, to play all the spots on the D-line, whether it's 5-3, 1-0 on, on the different shades and techniques. Um, they have to be moved all around. So I, I look at it as Mike Dawson really will always have just four guys on the field. And that more nickelish guy is I, I consider him more of a secondary guy. Yeah, I agree. And they're kind of totally different position groups. They're both technically listed outside linebackers, but they're very different positions. And basically that that that's that what edge uh outside linebacker is a defensive lineman, like you said. And then basically the other side, uh the boundary outside linebacker is a hybrid defensive back. So I mean it's it's two completely different positions under the same label. With Kalarvik moved to nickel and Luke Reimer and Garrett Snodgrass out for the spring, what is your read on the inside linebacker group for the spring? Um, it, you know, I think there's an opportunity there for uh, Va Clements, but you know, another guy that I've heard good things about that could get some more reps is Randolph Kapai, the freshman from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's somebody else that could take advantage of this. You know, and maybe a Gray Bar or Seth Malcolm get more opportunities because of the situation. Um, but in all reality, Snodgrass, as we know, is is the third guy today, and and Reimer's out, so he's a starter. Um, but I think there's a chance for somebody to maybe take advantage of it. And here's the deal, too. Like it seems like every offseason, Barrett Rude talks about how he wants to rotate more at inside linebacker, and then like two guys play ninety percent of the snaps. So. <laughs> As long as they have like two or three guys they feel good about, I think that's really all that matters, barring any sort of like long-term injury. What do you think of the new media rights deal with JMI Sports? Um, it's it's a lot of money. I I think when you look at the deal, Nebraska will get eighteen million dollars guaranteed over the twelve years of the deal. Um, so it's it's a unbelievable contract opportunity for Nebraska, and you know it's a tough spot because Nebraska, I think, actually almost could have gotten more. Um, but then COVID hit. They were in the rene- renegotiation state of things. They had a pretty good offer in principle, I think, laid down with their former partner, Learfield IMG, and then COVID hit and things changed. And that offer turned into a revenue share offer, which wouldn't have been as much money. So Nebraska chose to take it in-house. And they were the only major program in the country that did that. But a lot of it had to do with they felt like they weren't getting the offer they wanted. Now they are getting that offer. Um, so they did lose some money from what they had been used to making this last year, um, but they're going to make it back with this new offer that's going to pay them, Robin, $18 million per year on average. Yeah, I still don't get why they decided to take it in-house. Like I, I don't know, understand what the – what the idea was behind that, especially just turning down such easy money. Uh, it didn't really make any sense to me. And now JMI, who runs Kentucky and Pittsburgh, will run Nebraska as well. So a completely new uh, property entity will be in charge of things. Um, it had been Learfield slash IMG since 2007. Before that, it was the Pinnacle Sports Network, which was owned by Paul Aaron. Does Say Nebraska doesn't sign a start-worthy defensive lineman in the portal this spring. How worried are you about that group? I'd be pretty worried if they don't. I, I think they're going to get somebody, though. Um, I do think there's going to be a new wave of players that enters the portal. Oh, yeah, no question. Um, April, May-ish. And they'll get a guy from there. They'll have to. They, you know, and, and they're on Ochon Mathis right now, the TCU uh, transfer who's got Nebraska's top five. 
he was all Big Twelve um, for for the Horn Frogs. So that that's the guy to watch right now. Yeah, and again, it's I don't have any doubt that they're going to go get one. Um, if they don't, yes, I'll be worried uh, because uh, right now, as we just talked about the the situation there, there's a lot of questions. But they can go a long way in addressing some of those big voids, especially um, in that interior defensive line or through the transfer portal, because there will be plenty of options. Who has a better year, Casey Thompson or Adrian Martinez? Uh, better year, like statistically, more wins. Let's. It's hard to answer I that question. I didn't write the question. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to answer that question because Adrian's shoulder, I want to see how he comes back off that. But at Kansas State, I, I do think in the Big 12, they're not going to see as physical teams in the big that they see in the Big 10. They're not going to see the type of coverages they see. Um, it's a different league. Um, mm-hmm. I really do. Um, so the opportunity is there for Adrian to put up huge numbers. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, they play such a different style of offense as Nebraska too. And so I think that as far as like potential ceiling, I'd say it's probably higher at Nebraska just considering the type of offense that they run where when this thing is, is what it's supposed to be, the quarterback is inherently going to put up a ton of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. So I'll, I'll say Casey just because of the style of offense that they're going to be in. All right, final question. What is your go-to restaurant in Omaha? go-to restaurant in Omaha Mm. I grew up there um so I've got a lot of places that would go on there but I've always been a big La Casa's pizza person um I in fact took Blake Arney there um I think he liked it uh before high school football game (laughs) Uh, we'll see (laughs) he he ate he ate it all so no I I get a hamburger pizza at La Casa's both cheeses that's probably one of my favorites one year funny story um I, on the Red Sea Scrolls chat, this may or may creep, creep you out. I said, somebody goes, what's for lunch today? I go, I wish it was a La Casa's pizza and an order of onion rings. About an hour later, my doorbell rings. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and there's a La Casa pizza and onion rings on my doorstep. God. Never change, RSS. Never I love change. the RSS. <laughs> Never change. Wow, they know your address. That's cool. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great <laughs> steakhouses and, and things out there in Omaha. Like you, I mean, I love Mahogany Prime, but that that's like a – once a year if that type place yeah i haven't really been to a lot of omaha restaurants um you know the one that i did we did a a date night out there we saw a concert and uh we went to was it the drover that was drover legit yeah we went there we saw skunk man rss user skunk man was at the drover nice uh ran into him um (laughs) was he wearing the hat wasn't wearing the hat i mean he was eating (laughs) dinner um and I had him tell the story how he got Greg Sharpall rustled on Sports oh, Nightly, yeah. um, and and he shared the story to my friends Matt and and uh, Randy, and I, I said you're you're successfully the only guy I've seen get Greg Sharp that upset before. Yeah, he he definitely uh, got him going there. It was it was about like Lane Grindle asking about Lane Grindle in baseball or something like that, and Sharp was like. Come on, come on! What are we doing? That's enough. <laughs> like literally, just had him like. You uh, sound just like him. Yeah. All right. This is brought to you by Dorothy Lynch. Skunk man. Abby, do you have one favorite spot? Um, I don't really have one. I don't eat out a lot in Omaha. As a previous college kid around the college age, we just eat a lot of Chick Fil A and Chipotle when I'm eating go. anything. <laughs> I mean, married with kids now, I don't get out of Lincoln too yeah, often. It's it's either. it's so hard like to get out of Lincoln and be able to I mean there's too many things going on um where when I was younger I'd go to Omaha like 
two, three times a week. So. I like Los Solomillo, too. That oh, yeah, good. that's a good place. Good Husker fans there, too. All right, well, when you come back, we are going to close the show. We're talking Nebraska basketball. The season is over. Robin will give his thoughts on what's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Talking basketball as uh, the season is now over, Robin, for the Huskers. Uh, they fell. Very disappointing loss at Northwestern. Uh, but maybe it was a blessing in disguise as we're watching Northwestern just get absolutely obliterated by Iowa. Uh, 64-31 at halftime. Yeah, we need a parental advisory warning on this for the second half. This is uh, this is a slaughter on national television. But l- let's get to the end of the year. Um, three games in a row, Nebraska found a way to win. They were well on their way to four in a row, and then things just kind of went back to old hat. And, you know, it, I, think, I think it felt like the season took a step forward, but the way the game ended against Northwestern, it just left a really bad taste. Well, it was all the stuff that had plagued them through the previous 21 losses this season where um, you know Nebraska just kind of imploded a little bit to where they reverted back to all of those bad habits um, that had killed them time and again throughout the season to where you know Northwestern started a comeback after a really magnificent first half by Nebraska. You know they were at 14 and you know with 15 minutes left, they're up by 15. Uh, but then Northwestern started to, to claw back, and they started making plays. Some calls went against Nebraska, and unlike the previous three games where the Huskers showed great resiliency and didn't get flustered and got things under control, Nebraska started speeding it up, and they tried to do everything in transition, and they started, weren't making the, the easy passes, and guys were trying to play hero ball and um, you know all of those things, and they let their offensive struggles dictate their effort defensively, and then they stopped. They, the Northwestern tried to crash in the def- offensive glass and end up getting seven offensive rebounds in the last 10 minutes of the game. So um, you know, really just all the things that like Nebraska struggled with most of the year came back in that final 15 minutes in a really bad way. And it did a lot to kind of, um, like you said, uh, take away some of the the feel-good vibes that had been built up over that three-game stretch where they looked like a completely different team and weren't making those same frustrating mistakes that, uh, again, have, have really plagued them all year long. So what happens now, Robin? I mean, w- what is your feel on timeline, um, where things go? Because I think – we know there's some player decisions that need to be made, which some of those can be taken all the way into late spring. And then obviously Shoot into the summer with some um, of those guys. There's some coaching decisions that have to be made by Fred Hoiberg, um, how he wants to kind of maybe reshape things here going into year four. Yeah. Um, so with the coaching staff, we'll start there. Uh, you would imagine that if they're going to make moves, they do it as quickly as possible. Just like, you know, with the way Scott Frost did it, you know, he, he fired guys before the season was even over. Uh, so he could get a jump on trying to look at prospective um, you know, candidates. And so in the era of the transfer portal and with the amount of work Nebraska is probably going to have to do to supplement their roster uh, during the spring signing period, they better have a staff in place um, because transfer recruiting is all about relationships. Uh, you better have ends with guys, and uh, if you don't, you're going to get left in the dust. So having uh, a full staff in place as quickly as possible is going to be priority number one. Uh, if 
assuming uh, Fred does decide to make some changes. And then the next question is how many changes will be made? Um, is it going to be one guy, two guys, uh, a clean sweep of the staff? I personally uh, expect Nate Lenzer to be probably the, the surefire guy that's back of those full-time assistants. And then after that, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, Lenzer just makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, he's newer, um, but he's a Midwest guy, Iowa guy. He actually is from the same high school as Trev Alberts. Um, so not that the head coach or the assistant coach and the athletic director are on the same page on those types of decisions, but, um, it just feels like he just, from my view, a guy that's a fit here. Well, he's an excellent on-court coach too. You, you go to their practices. He's the one basically running everything. Uh, he's involved in there. There he's getting, got the pads out and, um, is, is really in the thick of everything that they do on a day-to-day basis. And some of the scouts that he did, uh, Nebraska played some of their better games. So, from an X's and O's on court perspective, he's uh, probably as good of a coach as they have on the staff. And then, you know, like you said, he's he's got Midwestern ties. Um, he was at a lot of local high school games this year. He's at the state tournament right now, watching guys. And so he's building a presence with within the the, the local, um, you know, high school basketball scene. That you know, again, that was a big knock on on the way Nebraska and and Fred Hoiberg had recruited over the previous three years. So again, I think that he's likely to return but the other two Armand Gates Matt Abdelmasi big question marks there um you know especially if some of the changes Fred agreed with Trev Alberts to make go with uh you know addressing their roster differently where they're managing the roster not so much um you know plug and play with transfers every year but maybe trying to get some long-term developmental guys um that's a philosophical change that you know, is a lot different than what they've been doing pretty much every year that Fred's been a college basketball coach. So um, a lot of questions there. Um, and then the roster, we talked about it in the the uh, mailbag a little bit, but, you know, I think Derek comes back, but then who knows after that? You know, Trey, he potentially could, but I think he's a guy that's going to wait a couple months before he makes a decision. He's going to go through the draft process, process, see what his options are, and go from there. I don't expect Bryce back. Um, yeah, I don't want to go down the whole roster, but – you know, then there's always just the natural attrition guys that are the, at the end of your rotation that are always going to leave year in year out in the era of the transfer portal. So they're going to have some work to do with their roster, regardless of, you know, those big names about who could and couldn't come back. Um, and so that's why I think getting a staff in place as quickly as possible is going to be the first domino that falls with this offensive move or this off season, uh, movement because you know, to do to get players you got to have a coach a coaching staff because let's theoretically say like Matt Albamase moves on from the staff he was the roster manager I yes. mean, he, he was the guy that pushed the buttons to maybe have a guy leave if he's not doing that right now there's really nobody currently in place that I mean Fred didn't typically have those types of conversations with guys as much as Abdelmasse. No, he was the closer. He they'd get, bring guys in on visits, and there were some exceptions. I mean, Fred handled Isaac Trout's recruitment personally for like the last like six months uh, before he ended up choosing Virginia. So I mean, he'll step in when necessary. He'll go on the road and see guys, go to games, and do in-home visits and all that sort of stuff. But as far as like the the real meat of recruiting, yeah, it was Matt carrying uh, the lion's share and then some of. Uh, everything Nebraska did in that regard. He didn't really do much at all as far as being an on-court coach. So uh, he was he was the recruiter, roster manager. and It's a unique setup. And again, if, if they're going to make changes with how they operate with their roster management, that's where it starts in my opinion. So we'll see kind of where, where that leads going forward here. As we wrap it up here with Robin Washett, what's your feel on the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament? Are they going to get seven in, eight in? 
Well, they got Indiana in for sure. Uh, they won that must-win game against but, Michigan, but I think that probably took Michigan out. So uh, that was kind of a play-in game. That really was a great play-in game. And so uh, you know, I think a lot of it. Yeah, I think you're you're probably looking at at least, in my opinion, seven teams in, um, and then maybe you know you, you get one of those like a Rutgers or something like that to maybe sneak in as, as one of the last four in, uh, maybe a Dayton type team, but um, it's, it's a it's a decent showing, not not what we're used to where they were you know looking at maybe getting double digit teams into the field, but um, still I think. The league is going to have a strong representation, and I think you got some teams that are built to to potentially uh, actually make it through a few rounds this time around. What's crazy to me, Robin, um, when you look at this college basketball overall, like leagues like the ACC, how down they are. Yeah, they're really down. The Big East is really strong. Pac-12 is kind of is what it is. Big 12 is really good too. Uh, so, you know, it's all kind of cyclical. Where you know, Arizona, like in the Pac-12, is really good. Yeah, they. They're probably one of my picks to win the national championship. This I didn't year. realize, like, I was listening to their coach from Gonzaga that came over there. He was being interviewed by Coach K on a show this last week and how much international flavor they have. Like, their entire roster, I think, has guys from, like, nine different nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done a great job with, with that element of the recruiting. They've gotten a couple guys that Nebraska tried to recruit, didn't really stand a chance with any of them, but, uh, you know, they've – they're really, really good. Uh, I've watched them play on TV a couple times, and they don't have very many weaknesses. And so that's why I think that top to bottom, they're as strong as any roster that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. Their assist ratio, number two, is one of the best, like in terms of like what their opponents have versus what they have. Is, is Coach K was just raving about that, how he's never seen a statistic that lopsided as far as their assists versus what their opponents' assists are against them. Yeah, and so again, they've they got a good thing going, and they are clearly the class of the Pac-12. UCLA is right there as well, too. But Oregon will give you problems if they get oh, yeah. in. I mean, it's Dane Altman. I mean, they've kind of underperformed this year, but again, that's one of those deals where uh, if you get them as a ten seed or something like that, that's a nightmare matchup. All right. Well, uh, make sure you stay on HuskerOnline.com. Robin will keep you up to date. Anything basketball. As well as well, Husker baseball coverage here over the weekend, and uh, we'll have anything that breaks with football. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.